Um, if you would, you may uh, join me by turning in the Scriptures to Exodus 31. We'll be looking at Exodus 31, 1 through 11, and Exodus 36, 2 through 7. Um, if you, uh, you can turn in the Scriptures, you can turn to your, look in your bulletin there, it's printed for you. Um, we are continuing our look at this, uh, that we are, uh, as we think about this book of Exodus, and, and we've been in, somewhat kind of been in the weeds, if you will, we've been hearing about instructions for the tabernacle, and, um, but I hope this has been encouraging to you to see that even in this, as we read uh, about the, the furnishings of the tabernacle, and, and and what goes in and how it's what it's made of and the, the specificity of it and 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 then hearing about even things like you know a census tax and how God provided for that um, for the means of building it. Um, this is the last section about building the tabernacle that we're going to look at. And uh, but I hope even in this, you've, that the, the central theme of Exodus, this idea of being rescued and kept. Is clear in that 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 God's specificity that his that his uh, you know as he explains this 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 tent that he's going to dwell in that again it's not just that God's picky that God's exacting and maybe that's how you've read this section all these years but that God is very intentional in in that he's going to be with his people that he's going to go with them, that He's going to travel with them, that He's going to dwell in their midst, and that all that's being built, all that's, all this, the, the way it's built and, and what is being built, all the furnishings show clearly who He is, that He is the source of life, He is the source of light and life, that He is, the, that he is going to provide a means by which they approach Him. He's not only coming to them, but He's providing a means for His people to approach Him as well. That all this points to Jesus. Jesus is the fulfillment of these things. And I, I hope that's been clear and that's been encouraging to you as, we, as we've gone through this book together. So with that said, let me pray and then we will read from Exodus 31 and Exodus 36. Let's pray. Lord God, we, uh, we delight that you are such a God. We have sung praises to your name. That you are great and greatly to be praised. Um. Our call to worship reminds us of this, this time where you walked before your people in the wilderness, that you gave water, that you gave food, that you gave them victory over their adversities, over their enemies, that you are our hope, you are our security. Lord God, um, I, I pray that we would, we would, uh, we would know that and as we, as we enter into this, as we read about the people that you called to make the tabernacle and its furnishings, that we would um, see more clearly your provision, your love, um, your sufficiency uh, for us today. Lord God, uh, speak through me. Illuminate your word. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. The Lord said to Moses, See, I have called by name Bezalel and his, the son of Uri, the son of Hur, 
of the tribe of Judah, and I have filled him with the Spirit of God, with the ability and intelligence, with knowledge and with all craftsmanship, to devise artistic designs, to work in gold, silver, and bronze, in cutting stones for setting, in carving wood, to work in every craft. And behold, I have appointed with him Aholiab, the son of Ahishamach, of this tribe of Dan, and I have given to all able men ability that they may make all that I have commanded you, the tent of meeting, the ark of the testimony, and the mercy seat that is on it, and all the furnishings of the tent, the table and its utensils, and the pure lampstand with all its utensils, and the altar of incense, and the altar of burnt offering with all its utensils, and the basin and its stand, and the finely worked garments, the holy garments for Aaron the priest, and the garments of his sons for their service as priests, and the anointing oil, and the fragrant incense for the holy place, according to all that I have commanded you, they shall do. And then chapter 36, verse 2. And Moses called Bezalel and Aholiab, and every craftsman in whose mind the Lord had put skill, everyone whose heart stirred, up, stirred him up to come to do the work. And they received from Moses all the contribution that the people of Israel had brought for doing the work of the sanctuary. They still kept bringing him freewill offerings every morning so that all the craftsmen who were doing every sort of task on the sanctuary came, each from the task that he was doing, and said to Moses, The people bring much more than enough for doing the work that the Lord has commanded us to do. So Moses gave command and word was proclaimed throughout the camp Let no man or woman do anything more for the contribution for the sanctuary. So the people were restrained from bringing, for the material they had was sufficient to do all the work and more. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God endures forever. Um, There's... I have four points this morning, four things I want you to see and be encouraged in as we look at these passages. The first is, I want us to focus on their ability to work, the Israelites. Secondly, their motivation to serve. Thirdly, their offerings to God. And then finally, our mission in His sufficiency. Uh, uh, before we look at that, I just just imagine, you know, if you if you haven't read, or say, especially if you're new, and this is the first time you're reading this part of Exodus, or maybe you've been with this this whole time, and you just see the the the, the number of chapters about uh, about the tabernacle, about the the furnishings, uh, just many many things. And again, uh, maybe you've forgotten this, but uh, but Moses is writing this stuff down. And it reminds me of, I remember being in seminary. At some point in seminary, I started typing everything. But, uh, but, but I remember handwriting notes in class. Some of you remember that. Some of you don't know what I'm talking about. Um, the you know, People over 30 probably still write. Uh, but anyway, so like, uh, I remember just writing and writing and writing notes. And I remember being in a seminary class. I think it was my first year. And very, very, you know, well-known professor, pastor, Ligon Duncan. It was great content. But he said, and 31stly, and I just, I just shut my book. I was just like, like, I was like, that shouldn't be a word. You know, is that really, I mean, it's, I understand it, but I'm writing something, the 31st point of this lecture. And I was like, I, 
I'm done. And I think there was like 20 minutes left in class. And I was like, I'm going to have to get somebody else or just miss that part of the test. But anyway, um, it, 30 for, so I, I'm just imagining Moses writing and just, oh man, you know, like this is a lot. And then there's, and he repeats it, you know. And then we know he wrote it down correctly because then he tells them to do it and they do it exactly like God has said. But he's writing all this stuff down. His hand's hurting. And then at some point, you know, like if you imagine taking, you know, being in class and taking notes, then imagine him finishing and realizing this is just a syllabus. This is just a syllabus. This is just the stuff you're called to do. Would you drop the class? That's the question. I'm out. We spent 40 days up here writing down the syllabus. I'm done. How are we going to do all this? Who is going to do all of this? I can imagine Moses thinking that. This sounds great. This sounds glorious. It sounds wonderful. Who can make a lampstand off on one piece of gold? Who's going who's gonna to do all this work? How, how can this be done? But God didn't just give a bunch of commands. He didn't just give a list of to-dos. He didn't give assignments. He says, I've also have thought ahead of this. I've actually called men to do the work. And this had to be the point where I think Moses got some renewed energy. Like, okay, get with those names again? Okay, let me... Okay. Because Moses, this wasn't his skill set. This wasn't his giftedness. He didn't... But, no, 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 Moses. There, I've got two guys that are being called, that have been, that have ability to do this. That there's one guy in charge... His name is Bezalel, the son of Huri, the son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah. I just think it's interesting, you know, it's, he's given all these instructions to Moses and instructions for the priests, and they're all the, going to be of, of the line of Aaron, and we're going to come to see in a little bit how the, the Levites are kind of going to be the main ones serving in uh, the, the, the tabernacle. But God calls men from outside the priestly line, outside of the Levites, to do the work of building this thing. Someone from the tribe of Judah, someone from the tribe of Dan. These men have the ability to carry out what I've commanded. Now the question is, how do they come by this ability? And you might think a practical answer would be given. Oh, well, you know, these, they did this back in Egypt. This is what they, this is what they uh, were just, you know, this was their job. This is their part of the, of the pyramid they built. They handled these things. And that might have been true. But where does the, the skill, where does the knowledge, where does the intelligence come from? You see that in verse 3. I have filled him, that is Bezalel, I have filled him with the Spirit of God. 
with ability and intelligence, with knowledge and all craftsmanship, to devise artistic designs, to work in gold, silver, and bronze, and cutting stones for setting and carving wood, to work in every craft. This it might have been, you know, we look in the Scripture, who's the wisest man that's ever lived? Solomon. Who's the most skilled artist that's ever lived? It might be this guy right here. That's impressive to be an expert in all those things. Those of you who build, or those of you who are artists, those who create, to think about someone in whom God has given all this talent and all this skill, and then to find out He's made him and given him all this for such a time to build and to put this together. But it's good, he says, he's not just giving it to one man to do. That would take a long time. He gave him a helper, a holy ab, the tribe of Dan. He doesn't seem to be as skilled or as um, experienced, but still given by the work of God, by the ability of God to do these things. And not only Bezalel and Aholiab... We, we go on to see that all the men with skill, that they, these two guys aren't going to do it by themselves, but they've, God's given others with various abilities that, that they're going to oversee this work, that they're going to manage it, that they're going to instruct and guide and make sure that all those with skills for such things, of making such things that are listed in verses 7 through 11, that, that, it, that they will serve as well. When we look at, at chapter thirty-six, it says that that these that they uh, that they were that they were um, every craftsman whose mind the Lord had put skill. I asked a question, you know, uh, in, for the faith conversations group that kind of looks at the passage ahead of time and starts thinking about uh, what not what I might say, but what what is God's word saying. And we realize that all of us, all of us have been given gifts, been given talents to serve. Every, every vocation, we, you know, while we call it vocation, vocation it comes from, it's a calling, it's a calling. God calls us to certain things. He gives us, He makes us, and gives us the, the talents and the skills to serve the community in Him, to bring glory to Him in various ways. Those have come from, from God. There is no vocation that God doesn't call us to, He doesn't gift us to, to do. No vocation that's not in itself sinful. You need to put that clarification there. But their ability to work is not just happenstance, it's not just coincidence. Hey, we happen to have two guys that can do what I'm commanding you to do. God thinks of everything. Not just what to do, but who is to do it? Second thing I want you to think about, I want us to see, is their motivation to serve. Their skill, their, their, their ability, their craftsmanship comes from God, but also it's their motivation is from God. Thirty six two, Moses called Bezalel and Aholiab and every craftsman whose mind the Lord had put skill, everyone whose heart stirred him up to come do the work. 
Their hearts were stirred up. They, they desired to give of their time, to, to use their talents for this great undertaking, this building of, of God's tent, this tent of meeting, of His sanctuary, and all that goes in it. It wasn't out of pride. It wasn't out of selfish ambition. It wasn't out of, um, look at me. I'm going to be able to sign my name to this. It was their hearts were stirred to use the very gifts God had given them, the talents God had given them, to be a part of God's work of building this tabernacle that points to His, that, that, that demonstrates and, and makes in, a, in living color His presence with them and, and their access to Him. This was not an easy thing to do. Those of you, I know some of you are work sew and needlepoint and things like that. Imagine what we've described, the, 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 these, these um, garments, the, the, the inner curtain of the tabernacle. How much effort that would take and how much time it would take. And those of you, who've, any of you who've, who are builders, we have builders in here. And, and you know, the, the, the specificity and all the different types of materials that have to be used. And, and it's easy to make something of all wood or all one type of wood, but there's different types of material. This took long. This was hard. This was laborious. But it's what they were made to do. God had given them the ability to, to do these things, to create these things, to sew, to, 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 to mold and to make this, this, this means of God being with them and them approaching God. And they said, yes, let us do the work. I, uh, I use this as an example. I was talking to the, uh, <laughs> to the teachers and... Talking about you know how God's at work, and I'm so glad because I've had I've been working on regrouting a shower for for like eight months, um, and by working on it, I mean putting it off. That's what I mean by that. Um, I, I disassembled the shower and took out all the grout, and then I needed many months of recuperation apparently. And then, but yesterday I finished it. This isn't about me, okay. You don't have to clap. Anyway, but I finished it. Camille is rejoicing that I finally finished it. We have three showers again. Anyway, why did I not want to do it? You know, why was it? There's so much going on. I was like, this is overwhelming. First, I'm not very good at it. No one's really trained me on that. But I've watched a lot of YouTube videos. I use way too much caulk. I think it looks okay. Camille said it looks good. It's functional, okay? But anyway... I, I, didn't, I didn't feel equipped for it. I didn't feel like it was up for it. I didn't feel like I could do it. I kept putting it off, putting it off. But, you know, really, I was kind of looking at being selfish about it. I was looking at myself like, what, can I do this? Is this going to be hard? But I really didn't want to do it because it was going to be hard. Because it made me feel weak. It made me feel like I didn't know what I was doing. You know? Do you ever put anything off that makes you feel that way? Is it just me? But as I thought about it, as I've thought about why I procrastinate in general, it's because I'm really just looking to myself and thinking, can Grant do this? Is this going to make Grant feel good about Grant? If not, let's just do something else instead. I'm looking to my own strength, my own ability, and I'm also looking at 
you know, the quality of the work being like, well, you know, that, that, that this reflection on me. Anyway, it's all about me. And that's why it's, it's, I did the work eight-month job. It really should have taken one weekend. Anyway... A lot of us, we, we, we don't want to do... We, we're not motivated. We look for the wrong things to motivate us. You know, that shower that was looking to me for motivation, you know. How well I'm going to do this, you know. How good I'm going to feel about it when it's done. Uh, that was my motivation. It didn't work. But for these folks... For us as Christians, our motivation is to be, God has given me abilities, God has called me to serve, and now I, our heart should be stirred up to do the very things we've been gifted to do, that we've been called to do, that God's given us skill and knowledge to do. And that was their motivation, it was the Spirit. The Spirit gave them ability, the Spirit motivated them to serve the Lord. Thirdly, I want us to look at the offerings to God. And you note that what stands out is first that these were free will offerings. You know, we looked last last week, and there was there was a census tax that you know all the the men that were able to fight, they were you know they had to pay this half shekel tax. That was a tax, right? That was you required to give it. It's part of this census, again, to remind you that it's not in your strength that you're going to go fight. It's not in your strength that you're, that you're going to have victories. He's reminding them that you need, that even the, these strong men that are going to fight, they're 20 and up, that are, represent your military power, they need atonement too. They need, you need to pay a ransom because it's really my strength. Again, here, uh, this is a free will offering. It's just a, hey, if you've got it, bring it. If you want to give, give. It's not like the, the burnt offering, the sin offering we've looked at. This is, we need, we need materials for this. And what happens? The people bring it freely, cheerfully, with a cheerful heart of their own will. Again, what? Motivated by the generosity of God. Again, we've talked about this before. All that they have is given by God. They left with gold and silver and bronze and, and, and livestock. Why? Because as they left, God caused the Egyptians to give them, the, just take whatever you want and get out. And so now they're motivated by the same Spirit, motivated by the God who provided to give and give freely to the building of the tabernacle. Not only what motivated them to give, but the amount that was given. Did you catch that? Look at that. Every, you know, again, all these people, all these craftsmen that were called to do this task. Again, I'm guessing, you know, I don't know how many. It doesn't say, but dozens, maybe hundreds. And all the craftsmen who were doing every sort of task, each of them had to stop what they were doing and go to Moses and say, we got, we got too much. Like I have, a, I have a workbench, right? And if I have too much stuff on the workbench, I can't do any work. Or, you know, and it's, there's a lot of stuff on my workbench too. Maybe that's why I didn't get that shower done. Anyway, but 
He's like, there's so much, there's so much, there's a super abundance of materials. We can't even figure out what we've done, what we haven't. You know, I imagine it's piled up here and there. What, what, did you finish that? Well, it's under this new stuff we got. Well, we're, you know, like, we, there's too much, to, there's, there's just so much. Not only did God provide what? The, the people to do it and the instructions to do it. But all the materials, and not just just enough, more than enough. It says, for the materials they had were, were sufficient. Material they had was sufficient to do the work, and more. And that's where the sermon title comes from, more than sufficient. More than sufficient is what they had. They gave generously, not just freely, but generously. To the point they had to say, no more. You know, this is no deacon's theme, you know, life verse. Don't bring any more. Anyway, you won't hear that quoted. But, but for this work of building the sanctuary, there was more than enough, more than sufficient. More than sufficient motivation, more than sufficient ability, more than sufficient material. God had taken care of it all. Well, so what? So what? What's, how, does this, how does this building project way back thousands of years ago, how does this apply to you and me? Well, let me say this. This brings us to our last point, number four. This is not... The, the last point is this, our mission and His sufficiency. How does this apply to us? It doesn't apply to us in the sense of, which I think probably wrongly this apply, you could use this passage in a wrong way and say, uh, look at God's sufficiency, look at the giving, look at all this. Now, let me tell you about our capital campaign. <laughs> let me tell you about our building project here at Faith Presbyterian Church. And by the way, we do have some building projects. You've noticed some things. We've renovated the office, right? To make it more of an accommodating space to have meetings in, and not just for the office, but for small groups and whatnot. There's a there's a plan to renovate this entryway, and all of you've noticed that it needs to be repaired. And there's there's talk of that and plans for that. There's there's uh, there's all kind of things. There's the deacons have made a two three page list of things we want to improve. I'm not going there though. <laughs> This building, this building which is a gift from God, that's very useful to us, this isn't the church. You remember the thing? Remember the? Everybody do it with me? If you can, if you don't have it, if your arthritis won't prevent you, you know. Uh, here's the church, here's the steeple. No! Don't teach your kids that. I learned that. It's okay if you talk. They taught me that. It's okay. Anyway open the doors. The people are what? The church. A steeple does not a church make. By the way, we don't have one. Anyway, I don't know if you noticed. We don't need one. It's okay. The church is the people. And as we read the scriptures, we think about the tabernacle and then the more permanent temple. We go to the New Testament. What, what's equivalent to the temple? It's not this building. You know? 
when, 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 you know, when Israel rebuilt the temple, you know, they, they wept because like, it's just not as good. Um, I don't know what they would do when they looked at this. But anyway, you know, this isn't close to Solomon's temple at all. It's good. Don't hear me. Don't get me wrong. But read about Solomon's temple. It's very it's a little, little better. Anyway, um, but that's not the point. The point isn't isn't that we're going to have you know the build a better church, a better building. It's about the temple and the tabernacle. Point to what? What fulfills that? What is the New Testament version of that? It's the people. So how do we apply this text? It's not to a capital campaign. It's not to, to a building project. We apply this text to the mission of the church. To the establishment and the building up of the temple of God, which is His people. That's the application. And I have just been giddy this week thinking about this. I really have. Every time I think about this passage, and this is kind of like a, one of those boring ones, but I'm just going to look at what God did. Look, when he, he gave these commands. Think about it, New Testament. I want you to go out and make disciples of everyone in every nation. Matthew writing it down. Who's going to do it? Who's got the ability? How are we going to do such a thing? He goes, wait, 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 wait. I've got it. I'm creating a kingdom of priests. All of my people are going to be about this. I've given you my spirit. And through my spirit, I'm going to write my word in your heart. And you are going to build this thing. You are going to do it. Not because you are great. Not because you've got it all together, but my spirit is powerful and it's my mission, it's my building project, and I will surely do it. And you get to be a part of it. There have been times this week that we've, Susan and Alishka and those of you who have volunteered, we've, 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 we've fretted, have been anxious about this new ministry project. And then I came to this text and I read about Bezalel and Aholiab. And I was like, we're going to be fine. I don't think I've ever said that sentence before. I bet our pastor's never said it before. Anyway, I just said it. You, hear, you see this about Bezalel and Aholiab? If you could even say it. If you, did you read that? We're going to be okay. Because God gifts people to do His building project. And he isn't, that's not just me, it's not just the elders, it's not just the deacons. He's called me to equip the saints for the work of ministry. That's you. And I'm so encouraged you're here. Not just to hear me talk, but to be, to be with me in this work of ministry. To be participants of it. As we minister to one another, and as we minister to those outside these walls. The work, that's the building project. And guess what? Because God is good, we have more than enough for what He has called us to do. Where do we see that? Well, look. We just read it. He is going to see, He's going to finish the work He began in you. We read this at the beginning of the service, Ephesians 3. 
Verses 14 through 21. I'm just going to read part of it. It says, That according to the riches of His glory, He may grant you to be strengthened with power through His Spirit in your inner being. Who's doing the work? The Spirit. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. How am I going to be equipped? Will I have enough to say? Will I know Christ enough? He's going to give you this. That's His... That's His promise to you. He's doing that in you. In each of you. And in us as a whole. So that we can do what? Tell of the breadth, the length, the height, the depth of the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. He's going to do it. And then it ends with what? This doxology. Now to Him who is able to do far more abundantly... Then we all then all we ask or think according to the power at work within us. I so I so often forget that. That there is this Holy Spirit power at work within me and within you. Do you do you think about that? Isn't that amazing? And, and by that, that power at work within us, He will accomplish more abundantly than all we ask or think. Far more abundantly than all we ask or think. We just need to ask. We need to think. We need to imagine. We need to hope. We need to dream. And know that God will work in and through us. It doesn't mean that every ministry endeavor will be a success. I'm not saying that. Believe me, I know. I've done it long enough. But we keep trying. We keep growing. We keep trying to reach and trying to equip. And we keep doing it not because we think we're good enough, but because we know God is more than sufficient. 2 Corinthians 3 5 through 6 says, Not that we are sufficient in ourselves to claim anything is coming from us, but our sufficiency is from God, who has made us sufficient to be ministers of a new covenant, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. Think about who God, think about the people in the New Testament that God called to do the work. The, you know, the, the big names, the big time saints. Peter, a fisherman, uneducated, quick to speak, quick to be wrong. <laughs> He's batting about 50-50 whenever he opened his mouth. <laughs> Maybe. That's being generous. But when he said this true thing about Jesus, he said, You are the Christ. And Jesus said, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Against it. Did I say that right? Anyway. This fisherman, who's not qualified, has been gifted... And through the Spirit to know what's true about Christ. And he goes, on, on, on this guy, on, on this confession, I'm going to build my church. And you know, you know what? Nothing's going to prevail against it. Paul. Paul was an enemy of Christ. He hated Jesus. And hated Jesus' followers. And God appeared to him and called him. And, and this is the one who wrote what we just said from 2 Corinthians 3. 
He goes on to say in 2 Corinthians 12, he said, he was, it's talking about this, this thorn in his flesh. He said, but God said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. You and I, like Paul, like Peter, are weak. We're sinners. We are works in progress. We haven't mastered Christianity. We haven't mastered the faith. None of us has. But God has gifted He's given us spiritual gifts. He's given us abilities. He's given us talents. And He's given us a command to build His church. Last thing I want to say is also from 2 Corinthians 9, verse 8. Paul writes, And God is able to make all a grace abound to you, So that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. Doesn't say that you are sufficient in all things, or I am sufficient in all things. But you have all grace, and God is all sufficient. From Him is more than enough. He's given us abilities. He's given us motivation. He's given us means. And all by His grace, by His Spirit. Be encouraged. And I'm encouraged that you and I get to be a part of this new covenant building project. Of building His church. And, then there's, and that He is more than sufficient. And the power in and through us to do it is more than sufficient. Let's pray. Gracious God, we give you thanks for your word and for the fact that you require, you you supply what you require. You, um, by your grace and mercy, use broken, sinful people to, to build and to be a part of your living temple, your dwelling place. Use us, um, continue the good work you began in us, and use us in the work of ministry as we, can, as we work together to build up your church. As we continue to reach and equip one another and strive in your power to reach and equip the unbeliever. Um, lead us, guide us, encourage us, give us the motivation we need. May we be motivated by your love, by your grace. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.